Let's take a look at today's message. When the odds are against you or how to pray in a crisis. Remember last week, Notch, you got up and you talked about the ABCs of prayer. You're going to see how at least three of those fit into today's message. Let's first of all talk about lightning strikes. Did you know that you are seven times more likely to be struck by lightning than to win the lotto? So save your money, all right? It's just not going to happen. I know when it gets up there over four or five hundred million, you just got to have put your pole in the water and take a dip. But yeah, it just increases the odds of not happening. Let me give you a few odds on how you might die. Your odds of dying in a car wreck are one in 100. That's pretty high odds. Your chance of being murdered, one in 300. Dying in a fire, one in 800. Dying by electrocution, one in 5,000. Dying in a flood, one in 30,000. Dying in a tornado, one in 60,000. Dying by a, a, a venomous snake, a venomous bite like a snake bite or even a sting, one in 100,000. Dying by lightning, one in 2.8 million. Dying through food poisoning, man, it really goes up here. One in three million are the odds. Now, if you've ever had food poisoning, you might wish you were dead. I mean, I can testify to that. <laughs> but dying, probably not likely. Uh, an airplane, dying on an airplane with a bomb on it, it's like one in 13 million. Those are the odds. But what do you do when the odds are against you? When it looks like you're going to go down... Uh, maybe you can relate to some of these pictures. I hope, hope they made it up here. You ever felt like that dude in a tight spot and you're like being crunched? How about this guy here on the telephone booth? You know, <laughs> when I saw that picture this past week, I went on the internet I said, I need some tight spot situations. I need people that where the odds are against them. I, I thought of that old joke where the guy's on the phone with God saying, hey God, when are you going to show up and rescue me? And, and it's almost like God on the other end is saying, hey, why didn't you get in the boat I sent or the helicopter that just right there? You know, God will show up, but, you know, we tend to just hang on the line. And anyway, that guy's in a tight spot. And that's why we're going to talk about one of the names of God today. God has many, many names. One is called Jehovah Nissi. It means I am the God who defends you. Sometimes there's really nothing you can do. And you just need God to show up. I mean, have you ever been so deep in it that you go, there's no way out of this. If God doesn't do something, I am in big trouble. That's when the odds are really against you. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. Because in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, we are going to read a story about a guy. Well, he's not a guy. He's a king. He's good King Jehoshaphat. You know, when you read the kings of Israel, very few of them are, have a good reputation. This is one of the good guys. And um, he's got three enemy nations coming down hard on Israel. And he knows the odds are against them. He knows that they're going to be in really, really big trouble if God doesn't do something. He's facing a triple threat. Have you ever had financial issues health issues, and relational issues all at the same time. These guys are having a triple threat 
from an army. And the odds were against them, but they beat the odds. So let's just jump to the end of the story. Israel wins. But how? Because they turned to God for the solution to their problem. They had faith in Jehovah Nissi, the one who defends them. Now, why is this story that we're about to read in the Bible? It's there to give us hope. It's there to give us clear instructions as to how we are to respond when we are facing overwhelming battles of life. We're not to run from God, we're to run to God. So often it's the case, when people go through a hard time, they start pulling back from God. No, that's the time you need to run toward God. Let's look at the five steps that good King Jehoshaphat went through to get his victory. And perhaps you'll see some of the ABCs we looked at last week. First of all, the first step, whenever you're facing a crisis, whenever the odds are against you, you need God's help. And so, number one, turn to God first. Nachi would have said, A, access to our partner. Access. Turn to God first because you have access to the Father. You have access to your brother, Jesus Christ. Do not pass go when facing a problem. Do not collect $200. Too often, we, we turn to everything else but God. Until finally somebody says, well, I guess all we can do is pray. And someone says, oh, has it come to that? No, that should not be a last resort. It should be the first resort. 2 Chronicles 20, verse, verse 1. It goes like this. After this. Is that what it says? Yeah, I underline that. I think it's important to know the background of this story. After this, what was the before this? You want to know what it was? Israel was very, very blessed. Israel was going through a season of prosperity. I mean, you could say there was a chicken in every pot. I mean, they they were rejoicing. There was great blessing. There was great revival. There were good times. But you know, every high seems to have a low, right? They're on the mountain peak, and after this, they face a battle. And so why do I tell you this? And why does God tell us this? Because as you go through life, here's what I want you to expect. I want you to expect blessing. But I want you to be realistic enough to know that you're also to expect battles. It's not all blessing. It's not all battles. You're going to face both in life. So expect both. Notice the king's first reaction to this triple threat, this battle that he's about to face. You know what it is? It's fear. I think I'd be afraid too when I had three armies coming against me. Three against one, just not fair. But after this, the armies of the Moabites and the Ammonites and the Minunites and the Dynamites and the Termites declared war on Jehoshaphat. He was, I made those last two up. He was afraid, and so he decided to ask the Lord what to do. That's a good idea. When you're afraid and you got a triple threat, that's a good time to pray. That's a good time to go to Jehovah Nissi and say, God, what do I do here? I don't know what to do. Help. Ever had a day when 
you had a triple threat. Maybe you lost your job. And then when you got home, the toilets backed up. And then the car broke down on your way home. That's a bad day. What do you do on days like that? It may not be a whole army coming after you, but you can relate to that, can't you? I mean, it sometimes seems overwhelming because you've got these three things to deal with, plus you've got life to deal with. What are you afraid of this morning? What is your triple threat that you need God to help you with? Never let an impossible situation intimidate you. That's why this is in the Bible. We're going to see that. It's, it's hard, hard to do when you're living it. But when you look at the conclusion of this message, I want you to walk away saying, I'm not going to let this defeat me. Let it motivate me to pray more and to trust more and to expect more. And so that's step number one. Turn to God first. Access the power of your partner. Number two, talk to God about your situation. This might be the B and the ABCs. In other words, have boldness. Boldness to do what? To ask God for big things. When you're going through a hard time, you need God. And God doesn't want you to be shy about it. He doesn't want you to be timid about it. You know, Hebrews says, boldly go into the throne room of God and boom, say, God, I need help. This is a, I'm in a mess. I'm, I'm in a world of hurt without you. And so have boldness to ask for big things. Don't turn your prayer life off. Go into the throne room. Look what Jehoshaphat does. Chapter 25b. Then King Jehoshaphat went and stood before them. Who's the them? The nation. Israel. His kingdom. His church, if you will. He stood before them. He called the whole congregation together. He called all of Israel together. And he stood before them. And what did he do? And prayed aloud. He said, first thing we're going to do is we're going to pray. Here's our problem. We need prayer. And, and I like the fact that he prayed aloud. When the odds are against you, I think it's a pretty good idea to pray aloud. Not just so the congregation can hear. But when I pray aloud, it tends to focus my mind a little bit more on the situation, the problem. Have you ever said, now I lay me down to sleeps, and you're doing it in your head because you don't want to wake up your wife, guys, and, and your mind tends to drift here and drift there and kind of go all over the place? Well, out loud praying focuses on a problem. That's the kind of prayer that you see good King Jehoshaphat praying on this occasion. And let's take a look at Joshua or Jehoshaphat's model prayer. Number one, he reminded himself of who God is. When I'm facing triple threats, I need to remind myself I'm not in this battle alone. I need to remind myself that I have a God, a God who's very capable, a God that can do all things. Armies are nothing to him. What I'm facing is nothing to the God of the universe. In verse 6, he puts it like this. Are you not the God who is in where? Heaven. But not just there. You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations, including these three that are come against me. 
power and might are in your hand. And no one, no one, no one can withstand you. God is bigger than three armies, that's what he's saying. That was his triple threat. And he says, my God is bigger. Number two, Jehoshaphat in his model prayer reminded himself of what God has done in the past. And when I'm facing a triple threat, I need to remind myself of what God has done in my past. I know something about every single one of you in here. You've all gone through crisis in your life. But number two, you're still here. That's the second thing I know about you. You're still here. You made it. It wasn't fun. It wasn't easy. It wasn't without its problems. But you are still here. What's that mean? God's not done with you yet. See, if he was done with you, you'd already be with him in heaven. But he's not through. There's work to be done. There's growth to be obtained. Hang in there. Verse 7. Didn't you drive out those who lived in this land when your people arrived? Man, he's going way back. In his prayer, who is he going back to in this prayer? Are you not the God? Remember when Joshua and Israel crossed the Jordan River on dry land to inherit the promised land? Are you not that same God? See, that's what he's saying. Aren't you the same one that gave us the land when we conquered all those people and drove them out? And he reminds himself, yeah, you're that same God. And then the third part of his prayer is, he says, now do it again. You helped us then, help me again. How many of you needed God to help you out more than once in life? I have. And there's nothing wrong with going back to God again and again and again when you're in trouble. That's why He's there. He's there to help you. 12a, oh God, won't you stop them? I love that prayer. His prayer is built around really three questions. Are you not God? Did you not help us in the past? And will you not do it again? Step three. Tell God exactly how you feel. So I turn to God first. That's the A part. I've got access to the partner, so I'm going to Him. I talk to God about my situation. I've got boldness to to lay it all out. And then number three, I tell God exactly how I feel. And... And, and I just admit that I am inadequate to the task. I don't have what it takes to get out of this. Jehoshaphat had a good army, but it wasn't good enough to defeat three armies in the flesh. Jehoshaphat knew it, the people knew it, and God knew it. That's why he turned to God in such a in such a manner, in such a way. And, and you, you know you've gotten yourself into situations. I am my own worst enemy. Uh, things don't just always happen to us. I'm sure life sometimes throws us a curve. But most of my problems I bring on myself. Does anyone want to make a confession and say amen to that? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? Even times like that, you say, Lord, <laughs> I blew it. Remember, we were talking in Bible class this Sunday morning. I was telling some people, I was confessing my faults one to another, just like the book of James says we're supposed to do. And um, I was very, very frustrated on the telephone this past week with a particular company that asked me to do something. I, I got a 
um, an action alert on my email. So I complied with that action alert, sent in some money, did my thing. And then I got another action alert saying, would you call us? So I called them and they said, uh, we are sorry, you should not have done that action alert that we first sent you. And I said, okay, but I already went through the time and the trouble and I've already given the money. Uh, it's not due until you know, June or July, whatever. Can't you just keep that and apply it to that? No, I'm sorry, our policy won't allow for that. And I said, I got one simple question. Can you tell me why you sent me that alert so I don't do it again next year if this happens again? Because it's kind of a yearly thing that I have to pay. And silence. And um, your preacher, I wouldn't say he lost it, but he, uh, he came close, all right? And that is just frustrating, it's just so frustrating. And then when I hung up, I felt very bad. Kind of hung my head and said, God, I told you I wasn't going to do that again, and I did that again. And, and then it dawned on me, that whole conversation was recorded. They said that right up front. I didn't use any bad words or anything, don't get me wrong, but, you know, I felt like they were pushing buttons and I pushed back and shouldn't have done that. None of you can relate to this, I'm sure, right? Why do I tell you that? Ah, we all need a Savior. We all blow it. Even when we say, I'll never do it again. Don't say that. Peter said that. And what did he do three times? Again and again and again. And so my, my encouragement to you today is keep short accounts with God. I prayed about it. And you know how long you should feel guilty about something when you blow it? About that long. Keep short accounts with God, clear it up, and then just move on forward. And you know what? I think next time, if this happens again, I'm going to have a handle on it. Because, see, I'm going to ask you to hold me accountable. And so about this time next year, I ain't going to fall for it again if it happens, but something like that happens. It's always good to have some accountability, but it's also good to tell God I'm inadequate. Verse 12b, we are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt powerless? I think it's interesting when you compare verse 12 to verse 6. Verse 12 says, we are powerless, but verse 6 says, but you have all the power. Isn't that cool? We don't know what to do. We are powerless, but God, we're turning to you because you have all the power. Number four, fourth thing to do. Fourth step, trust God to help me. This might be the C. In other words, have confidence that God is with me. So you're asking for help but you have confidence in the one who shows up to help. Verse 12c, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Eyes off of self. Uh, you know, if I look to self, <laughs> I loved what Nachi said last week. You know, he was studying to be a Hindu priest, was taking all the steps, and they were just about to confirm him as a priest. And, and uh, you know, the last step is they let you in on the secret the secret. And Dachi's all excited. Oh, I'm going to hear the secret. And I'm going to be a priest. And I'm going to know the secret. And only the priests know. And they came and whispered in his ear, You are God. And Nachi's hearing. Repeat that again. You are God. And what did he say? 
He's thinking, man, if I'm God, we are in trouble. And he knew Hinduism wasn't the way to go. <laughs> and that led him on another search where he found the true God. And, and Nachi, once he found the new God, when he found Jesus Christ and was born again, he actually changed his last name. We had lunch with him after the service. And uh, he, he told this story. And I said, so is Nachi Lazarus your real name? He says, yes, I legally had my name changed. Because as Lazarus was risen from the dead, I felt like I was risen from the dead when I found Jesus Christ. He turned to the God of Israel. He turned to the same God that Jehoshaphat turned to. He turns to the same God that you and I are turning to because we know we're not God. We know we need help. I like God's response in verse 15. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. And so really what God's saying is, Jehoshaphat, relax. I got this. I I, I know you're upset. I'm grateful you're taking these right steps. You're you're doing all the right stuff. You're you're turning to me first. Uh, You're confessing your inadequacy. You're, you're trusting in me, and, and that, that's a good thing. So now let me take over. Because you are not the power source, I am. God says, relax and trust in your power source. Uh, if you've ever flown on a commercial airliner, and as, uh, I love this part, of, I, I hate everything else about flying, getting to the airport, you know, having the TSA do all their things to you, and... And, but I love it once you're on the plane and you're racing down the runway. I mean, you just feel the power of those jet engines, just the thrust. And boom, man, you're up in the sky and those wheels come up. And, whew, man, you're climbing up to, you know, 36,000 feet. But what if some guy starts flapping his arms as you're taking off and getting altitude. And, you know, this is the time no one can get out of the seatbelt, and you start wondering about this guy, and finally one of the stewardesses gets on the intercom and says, Sir, why are you flapping your arms? I'm helping the plane take off. I'm helping. I want to make sure that I do my part. Sir, that is not necessary at all. Look out your window. Do you see those jet engines? They are the power source, not you. You can put your arms down now. You see the picture? We sometimes think we're the power source when who is the power source? God's the power source. You can't help God out when God says, I got this one. When God says, I'm going to fix it. I've got it. Don't worry about it. All you can do is show up to the fight. And that's what God tells him to do. They're not going to have to fire a shot, folks. But they do have to show up to the fight. I like the battle plan, though. Verse 17. You won't need to fight in this battle. Just stand strong in your place, and you will see the Lord save you. And so my job is to stand strong and show up. What what if you run away from a difficult situation 
What do you say? Oh, God, I don't want to go to the battlefield. I'm afraid to go to the battlefield. I know you told me to stand strong and you're going to fight. You're going to do it all. But I just don't want to go out there. I don't want to see those enemies coming down on me. And if you run, guess what? God is going to make you repeat whatever it is you ran from again and again and again. Have you ever met people that just go from one job to the next job to the next job? looking for the perfect job, thinking it's going to show up one of these days. And really, the problem is not the job. The problem is them. Whenever they face some difficulty in that job, they just run. And then when they get to the next job, they have to repeat that until they deal with it. How about people that go from relationship to relationship to relationship? And they just keep, well, maybe this relationship here will be the right one. No, no, you don't run from it. Because whenever you run from a difficulty, and you never deal with that difficulty, you have to repeat that difficulty. Does that make sense? God doesn't want you to have to go through that process. He says, stand strong, show up, and I'll be your power source. But we've got to do our part. What's our part? Standing strong. Don't run from God. Stand with God. Have faith in the Lord your God, verse 20 says, and you will be upheld. Have faith in His prophets and you will be successful. In other words, He's guaranteeing victory, which leads us to our fifth step. Thank God in advance. What do you mean, thank God in advance? The battle hadn't even started yet. That's okay. Go ahead and thank God for the victory. But we haven't won yet. Doesn't matter. Thank God for the victory. Verse 21. The king appointed singers. See, here was God's plan. What I want you to do is I want you to get the whole army to take a few steps back and get the praise team, the band, out in front, and then the band or the, the the army behind the band, and I want you to show up to the battlefield. And praise team, here's your job. You just start thanking God in advance. You just start praising God, thanking God, worshiping God, and watch the victory happen. <laughs> Can you imagine? You're a military man, and those are your marching orders. You're like thinking, "Are you sure, God? Really? That's the battle plan?" We, we, we go stand behind the praise team? Yeah, that's the plan. Really? Yeah. Okay. And they go. That's a good thing. They obeyed. See, obedience is part of the plan. Obedience is a part of standing strong. Obedience is showing trust. And not only that, when you thank God in advance for the victory, for something that you don't understand, that's super faith. See, it's not faith. It wouldn't have been faith on their part if they got the victory and then thanked God. That would be gratitude, right? What faith is, is thanking God before the victory. That's faith. That's faith fighting. How do you want to fight your battles? I want to fight them in faith. I want to believe in Jehovah Nissi who's going to show up and fight for me. But I'm not going to run. I'm going to stand strong, 
and I'm going to obey God's word even when it doesn't make sense. When Keith was talking about um, the tithe this morning, and he read from Leviticus, and then he read from the New Testament, you go, some, of, some of you may have been swallowing hard. Well, we went to a men's conference last week, didn't we? I, I, like five preachers got up and preached that day, and I think four of the five mentioned tithing, and you can just feel the tension in the air. You got a, a room full of 3,000 men. And some of them have never taken that step of faith and says, you know what, I'm going to man up and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what the Bible says to do. That takes faith. But I guarantee you, God is a God of His Word. And it took me probably four or five years into our marriage life when my wife and I did what Keith suggested Let's have a little talk. We kind of just gave um, based on what we thought would be a pretty good comfort level for our living. You know, we can pay the bills. We can pay, and God wasn't first. I thought, well, let's, let's try doing this thing God's way. And so we did. And we have, we have always lived better on 90% of our income than we ever did on 100% of our income. Because the Bible says, when you take that, the first tenth belongs to God, when you take that and use it for you, what have you just done? You've broken the eighth commandment. You've just robbed God. Why? God says, that tenth belongs to me. And if you use what belongs to me, you're a thief. See how everything gets back to the Ten Commandments? If you've ever been in my Bible class, we reinforce the Ten Commandments every single week. Hmm. But God, it doesn't make any sense that I would live better on 90% and not 100%. It doesn't have to make sense, Bruce. To work. See, that's faith. But Lord, it doesn't make any sense for the army to stand behind the praise team. Shouldn't we be in front of the praise team? No. That's not God's marching orders. It doesn't have to make sense to be true. Just do it. Where are we at? Verse 22. What happened? At that moment, they began to sing. Who's the they? The praise team. And to praise the Lord. The Lord caused the armies of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir to begin fighting among themselves. They destroyed each other. Let me read that again. They destroyed each other. How much fighting did Israel have to do? Zero. But did they have to show up to the fight? Yes. Did they have to do something that didn't make sense to a military man? Yes. And God gave them the victory. There's power in thanking God. There's power in praising God. There's power in expecting God to show up. And here's the result. Verses 25 to 26 goes something like this. So Jehoshaphat and his men went off to carry off the plunder. See, when you have a big victory like that, (laughs) here's what all they had to do that day. These three armies kill each other off, and what did they leave behind? A bunch of stuff. They go, and they carry the plunder off. 
and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and articles of value, much more than they could carry away. There was so much plunder that it took them three days to collect it all. Woohoo! Don't you want God to bless you like that? He wants to. But what do we have to do? Got to show up to the battle if you want to collect it, right? You got to stand strong. You got to be obedient. And on the fourth day, you know, say, okay, we, we collected everything there is to collect. Let's have a celebration. And on the this is where the, the thanks comes in. And on the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barak, Barak, where they praised the Lord. And this is why it's called the valley of Barak to this day. You know what Barak means? It means praise. They fought that battle where? In the valley of praise, where they had just praised God and gave God thanks for the victory in advance. How do you get there? You thank God in advance. You show up for the fight. When Christians act the way they ought to act, the world takes notice. Look at 2 Chronicles 20, the next verse, 29. When the surrounding kingdoms heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel, the fear of God came over them. Well, I guess so, right? I would be fearful if I was a foreign army and I heard that story. So Jehoshaphat's kingdom was at peace, for God had given him rest on every side. Don't you want that for your life? Don't you want rest on every side of your life, on your family side, rest on your physical side, rest on your career side, rest on your social side, your financial side, whatever side you need rest on? Well, how do I get that? By asking God to solve my problems. It begins with a testimony of saying, God, I can't do it. I'm a mess. But I want to be your mess. Would you help me? And, and when God comes through, you know what? Your unbelieving friends will hear that story and they'll fear God too. They'll start believing in the same God that you believe in. What difficulty are you facing this morning? Are the odds against you today? Are they mounting up? I want to close by asking you, if you're willing to turn to God first. Not the banker, not your neighbor, but God. And I want to hear some testimonies in the weeks to come if you follow these principles, because He is the God who defends you. Let's pray. Now, maybe the pressure in your life is just mounting up in whatever area. Maybe it's work-related. And you feel like you're about to explode. Maybe you feel like everyone and everything is ganging up on you. Would you take these five steps of faith? See, I think God brought some of you here today to, to say this to you. The battle you're fighting is not yours. It's mine. So relax and trust me. I'm still in control. Stand firm in quiet confidence and watch me handle it for you. But you got to show up, and you got to obey, 
and you got to thank me in advance. I want everyone just to think of your greatest problem right now, whatever it is. Just Would you think about that in your mind? And then in your own mind, just say, Dear God, thank you in advance for working out that problem that I'm facing right now. I thank you in advance. I will stand firm. I will not run from it. But I want to thank you for the victory, even before it arrives. I realize, God, that you're the power source, not me. I thank you in advance for this victory. Now, if you're not a Christian, I can tell you what your biggest problem is. It's your sin problem. And Jesus has the answer for that as well. The cross of Christ. If you've never come to Jesus, today's your day. Lord, if there be one here today that needs to know you, would you let them come? In Jesus' name, amen.